Super Talk Mississippi media production. Have you been seriously injured? Mama Justice is here for you. Our medical team partners with top-notch doctors, surgeons, therapists, and urologists, ensuring a comprehensive recovery journey. If you've been injured, call Mama Justice today. We're here for you. What is up on a Friday? I'm Brian Scott Rippey. My co-conspirator, as always, is Michael Borky. We appreciate you joining us for this Mailback Friday edition of the Rebel Report. The People's Holiday is back. We've got your questions. We'll get into some Ole Miss baseball as they play Xavier this weekend. Uh, We'll probably get into a little bit of hoops. The hoops game just kind of snuck up on me. Like, I knew it was there, but I didn't really pay attention to it. And then I looked at the schedule, and I was like, ah. Shit, I got to like, – there's, there's baseball and basketball back-to-back tomorrow with basketball on Saturday night. Like, I'm not going to complain about my job or whatever, but, like, it just – like, I didn't even fully put together. I was like, oh, wait a minute. These aren't at the same time. So, we've got that. They play Alabama. But uh, what's up? It's a long day for you, man. Yeah, it is. It's, uh, it, it's not fun. I guess I'll get my fun in on Friday, assuming this game today does not go uh, 15 innings. Yeah, that would be perfect for you, though, wouldn't it? Uh, yes, it would uh, It would definitely be perfect. And if it went 15 innings, that's probably bad news for the Mighty Rebels because Xavier, okay, but not very good. But we'll get into that as well. I guess we'll start with the uh, start with the questions. So hold on, let me pull these up. Yeah, we might as well. Well, you know, start with uh, the recruiting news from last night. Uh, we yeah, told you it was coming, even though I didn't really understand the details. But Mark Britt did uh, – Ole Miss hasn't announced it formally yet. So I don't know what's what the hang-up there is. To, I don't know if it's academic or what. But he made the flip official last night, uh, going to go to Ole Miss instead of Florida. I thought Haydad made a funny joke on Twitter. He said talked about Dan Mullen uh, even – leaving Mississippi State still can't keep kids committed over Ole Miss, which is funny and true. But uh, big pickup for them. And they moved up in the rankings a little bit, and I know people care about that, but uh, needed an athlete of his caliber. I mean, you'll take them whatever position they play. I saw last night that I wasn't completely insane by calling him a safety because he did play both sides of the ball. But just a really talented guy from Miami, you know, building that – Florida pipeline or really not building the pipeline, but you hired a staff that has connections to the area and you get a big time commit out of it. That's two now in this class, right? With uh, Parrish and then Britt from Florida that high profile guys that other schools wanted and they found a way to get them. That is correct. So Mark Britt, four star wide receiver slash uh, safety. I think he's going to play wide receiver here, but I will double check on that today. Well, now with uh, the news of Prince, maybe they might give him a look in the secondary. That is true. That is certainly possible. We That was kind of glossed over uh, the other day. Uh, what was that, Wednesday night? So we hadn't recorded a podcast. So I guess we can turn that into a twofold news. But anyway, Mark Britt commits. I think he did one of the Instagram live deals. So uh, kind of what all the kids are doing these days. But uh, it was weird. It's like, it, 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 I mean, Crystal Ball had him go into Florida or Miami pretty much the whole time. His entire, like, Social media profile, which is as sad as it is to say that has to factor into things, was all Florida. And then all of a sudden, it's just like, oh, Miss, I am coming. I uh, I didn't actually watch. Like, I just checked his Twitter feed for the result. I didn't ex- actually watch the, the ceremony. Did he say the University of Ole Miss? That's usually important. He said Mississippi University. Mississippi University. Okay, so that's close. That is close. It's uh, better than the University of Ole Miss. 
Yeah, but not quite as on par as the uh, University of Mississippi. So close though, close though. Yeah, that he'll give it a B plus. But there was a guy last signing day that said LSU University. <laughs> oh, I like. No, that wait, one. no, it's University of LSU. <laughs> I like that one. I like that one. It's like, what do you think LSU stands for, Chief? But uh, I, I don't remember that happening very often until Mr. Kim Dietschy did that. But maybe it had happened before. Uh, that was just they kind need of the to con- make University of Ole Miss shirts. I don't know why they didn't like the day he did that, but my God, everybody would buy one. Like they need to hire me for marketing. Like just be the simple like put your hand up and say, "Hey guys, this is dumb." Like the Firefest tents. Like the second they started putting those up, they needed somebody there to be like, "Hey everybody, don't do this." Like those suck. And then when you start trying to, like the certain accounts were trying to talk about how the students were going to love them and stuff like no just shut it down it's it's bad the idea is good execution's terrible shut it down try again like they need that guy i'll be that guy same thing with university of old miss like no that's not what you are but robert kim the nation's number one recruit just called you that make t-shirts just own it and people will buy that shit they need me working for the athletic department just like the the no the the common sense guy to say things like that. In complete fairness, I think they knew the Firefest tent sucked. They just were trying to just like once the thing was structured and sound, they'd already made this big announcement about it. It was it was it was but, more so just it, like, hey, we're gonna try big to, it was announcement. Kind of, it really the- was Firefest, though. It really was. Like, if you've seen the documentary, <laughs> that guy knew those uh, those those uh, natural disaster tents sucked. He was just going through it anyway because there was no turning back at that point. I think that was the old strategy on that. Yeah, but I mean, what's worse, the announcement and then coming back a couple weeks later, hey guys, um, we're gonna have to do this next year. Sorry about that. We'll, we'll, we'll there are more things we have to work out to make the idea work, or doing the Firefest tents. I personally enjoyed the Firefest tent. I think they actually got taken. I don't even think they made it the full season. I believe, if I remember correctly, I showed up for a game uh, last year and looked over as I was kind of going through like the warmups and stuff that, uh, that they had been taken down. So I don't even think they made it a whole season, but <laughs> anyway, Brit signs university of old miss gear. I know somebody in the athletic department listens to everything, like literally everything. It could be a podcast of 20 listeners in one of them is somebody that works up there. University of old miss apparel. Do it. I know it's not what it's called. Just do it. Trust me. People will buy it. Do it. I agree, and maybe like acrylic, like spray paint type logo of Kim Dietschy running through a glass window or something <laughs> under it. Uh, so Ole Miss moves yeah, up playing to, the saxophone. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, <laughs> I wonder Could you imagine happen. rolling up to uh, Ground Zero Blues Club in Clarksdale, Mississippi, and Robert Kim Dietschy's big ass walks up there and starts playing bad saxophone. <laughs> He's an interesting guy, like, if nothing else. I'll give him credit for that. I wish I could play a musical instrument. It's just, uh, I wonder what's going to happen to him. I wonder uh, what his NFL future will look like. But uh, social media, he's still trying to play. Which is good. Honestly, and I hate to be like, claim I'm right on this, but I, 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 talk, when I remember when I was in student media, I was talking to a couple of people that uh, worked in student media for Georgia around the draft time. And I was just like, I, I, it honestly wouldn't stun me if he were not in the NFL in five years and we're kind of hitting that point. We're not even in five years yet, but like he it just, I don't know. He seems to have much other, much 
more interest outside of football. And it, it I mean, NFL, you got to be pretty locked into that. I'm not telling you anything you don't already know, but I don't know. Oh, maybe he lands on another roster. We shall see. Oh, Mrs. Somebody Jones- will need a guy that's as talented as him. If he can just get his, his shit together, for lack of a better term, he's talented enough where he will find a home in that league. Ole Miss jumps to 34 in 247's composite rankings. I were they were they had they gone sub 40 before last night? I hadn't checked it. Like yeah, they were in the 40s somewhere. So they are correctly. I, I I look at both rivals and 247, so I get them confused. But uh, yeah, I think that was right. The uh, so the 34, they're 12th in the SEC. They're in the 40s before last night. You still have uh, possibly one or two more guys to go, most notably Hen- uh, not Henry Parrish. Why do I keep saying that? The other running back who has caused far more issues than Henry Parrish, Zach Evans, the Houston running back five-star who apparently is just going to show up on a campus at some point. Uh, I-, I say that to say I don't know what, what Ole Miss' deal is on that. I don't really think anyone seems to know what that kid is thinking or what's going to happen. And I say anyone, I think uh, guys that work in recruiting for Ole Miss included, uh, unless I'm just completely being lied to, but I I say that to say that will boost their class uh, up the rank. I mean, if this kid kind of jumped him six spots, a five star adding in there will jump them probably into the top thirty and maybe sniffing the top twenty five. I don't know. We shall see. But yeah, I still think um, well they, they offered a, a JUCO defensive tackle right from Jones College. Uh, that was kind of recent. I mean, that was an after signing day offer and. Um, He's only played one year of Juco ball. You're going to have to help me with this because I, I might be screwing up the details. Played one year of Juco ball. Can transfer and play right away to Ole Miss, though, um, if that's where he ends up wanting to go. He had a Colorado offer out of high school. So he had some offers, just not the one he was looking for at Jones College. And if you said his name, I think it, it would hit me. Um, but that's possible, or that's a possible addition to this class as well. So a couple more pieces still out there for Kiffin as he kind of wraps up this recruiting class, which will help him numbers-wise, will help him, I guess, in terms of just buying into recruiting rankings and all of that and it not necessarily being a strong finish at all on National Signing Day. So uh, Mark Britt commits. Uh, it would be interesting to see kind of whether he shifts to the offensive or defensive side of the ball. I think he'll play receiver. I could be wrong about that. But anyway, let's get into the questions and see where we kind of go from there. By the way, if I just have to randomly get up and like run out of the room, I'll be quick. Uh, The little guy has finally learned how to roll over, and he is still not great at rolling back over. So if I just up and leave, it means on the monitor he rolled over and can't get himself back over. So I'll just run into his room. He's supposed to be taking a nap right now, but refuses. Um, I'll, I'll get up, roll him back over, and then come back, and you won't even know I'm gone. Sounds good. Thoughts on the vape ban of Oxford of 2020? Yeah, so Oxford passed an ordinance that now if you're under 21, you can be hit with a $100 fine if you're caught vaping. Uh, that seems incredibly hard to enforce, and I feel like there are much bigger fish to fry than uh, some kids sucking down a mango jewel. But maybe I I'm thought wrong. when we got that question, that was a joke. That's a real thing. Oh yeah, this past oh earlier this week, OPD sent out something announcing it. Let me if people well, are actually interested in this. Uh, isn't there? Not that I'm overly locked into the state legislature, just where 
you don't you don't have to live here and work in the office. So you don't you don't have to deal with this kind of stuff. I hear about legislatures and bills and all that stuff every single day just because of everyone else that's around. Like I'm the only sports guy in the office. Everybody else is news or politics. So I hear about this crap all the time. I wasn't there like an initiative to ban them statewide because there's something about like what people are either putting in the vapes or something about the smoke that's like killing people. I mean, I'm sure it's just like anything else. Like I, I, I for one am shocked at uh, huffing a uh, vaping liquid through a plastic looking microchip <laughs> type of thing is probably not completely health sound and you don't know exactly what it is to do to you. All I'm saying is like, I mean, <laughs> if you didn't put a van on cigarettes, then like what I don't I mean, if you didn't make cigarettes age 21, I don't understand like why you're fighting this battle. But the new ordinance states that anyone seen possessing smoking devices and cartridge under the age of 21 on school grounds, anyone under 21 period caught with an electronic device on, or a cartridge could face up to a hundred dollar fine for a third offense. You're really showing them there. Uh, the purpose of the ordinance is to combat the selling of devices to children under the age of 18. What? But the bans for uh, yeah, 20. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't understand that. Huh. Uh, the gas stations that sell vapes to kids under 21 are going to be popped with a thousand dollar fine. So uh, they're uh, they're really going for the plug here, not the user. Uh, so I I don't understand. You can you can have your business license revoked if if you're a repeat offender. Anyway, it seems like they have bigger fish to fry. Uh, Sorry if you're a freshman or sophomore and you want to leave the corner or whatever the hell it's called now and get your mango jewel pot on. Uh, tough shit. I don't I don't really know what else to say about this. <laughs> Man, I remember back in the day when an MIP used to be like a hundred dollar fine, and now it's like you have to get a lawyer and shit like that. Oh yeah, it's a big deal now. It also depends on who you get it from. Uh, whether it's... yeah, I got mine in Destin, and so that what literally like. When he gave it to me, he gave me the number and said, call this number, and it's it was like 150 bucks, and that's it. Okay, like, so I took care of that's it that a little day different. never heard from them again. That's a little different, because those dudes are, one, shooting down in South Walton or Walton County or whatever, one, shooting fish in a barrel, and two, like, they don't have time to deal with all those kids and all that crap. They're just trying, it's kind of a money grab. But well, the, uh, actually, that when I was going story? through school... It did change that they got you got actually got taken to jail for that. And I had a kid who I uh, didn't know very well, but was close friend, uh, uh, was like acquaintances with that uh, got one got taken to jail and then actually got his booking screwed up and got thrown in general population for like a day and a half. Yes, that's just so. God, uh, imagine thinking that that's appropriate for what you do. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think that was intentional by any means, but uh, something happened, and he was uh, he was getting his toast stolen at lunch. But yeah, not not great. Uh, let's see. I guess we could get past the other legal snafu that we did, had the other day. We the news broke of Greg Wait, Robinson. Speaking of MIPs, I, I, do, were you in in that house in Florida that? Uh, got busted up by the cops and made the local news there. And then because the news story was so ridiculous, it went viral and everybody saw it. That was one year before I got to college. So, no, <laughs> I knew a bunch of people that that happened to. Uh, maybe we have a listener or two that was involved in it. I was not. I was still in high school oh, at that point. Why one year? This poor news reporter. So if you don't know what we're talking about, a group, 
it was a an Ole Miss fraternity. It was ours, but I guess a year between us. Or are you three years younger than me? Uh, three. So it was a okay, year so above two, me and two below you. Okay, so two below me. And their house gets busted for just doing what kids do at spring break. Like, it wasn't anything ridiculous, but their house got busted up and they all got uh, put on a paddy wagon and taken to jail because they were college kids drinking beer. Oh, the horror. And I guess the local police tipped off some some TV news guy and he showed up to the house and <laughs> he does the most ridiculous story, like this hard-hitting breaking news, like covered it the way you would cover like a triple homicide or something like that. And they've got these kids lined up in front of the house, like all chained in handcuffs. <laughs> and the TV reporter goes, do you guys think this is funny? And one of them leans in and goes, yes, sir, roll tide. So for four days, they thought it was an Alabama fraternity that got busted instead of an old Miss one. Just the funniest damn thing I've ever seen in my life. Oh, I'm going to try to find that story now that I think about it. Yeah, I did know a couple people caught up in that. Just a uh, yeah, <laughs> spring break. It's it's interesting because like the spring break deal for like some people is goes the opposite of what you should. Like everyone wants to go to the beach where it's just like you have a target on your back in terms of like underage drinking. And then when you turn twenty one, you want to go to some country where the drinking age is like twelve. That doesn't seem to make any sense. <laughs> so it seems like it should be the opposite. But that's not really how people in college think. I don't really know. I uh, felt like I was taking crazy pills every time I suggested that. But whatever. It is what it is. Let's see what else we got. Oh, I guess we got to get the other legal screw-up we had out of the way. So news broke on Friday and on Wednesday show as we were recording that Greg Robinson was arrested for possession of marijuana. I guess we didn't know. Uh, this is Browns, former Auburn and Browns. Uh, offensive lineman. I guess we didn't know at the time as you were reading that out to me how much was happening, but we were chastising him for being a stupid professional athlete going through. We thought he was going through like uh, like crossing the border, which didn't actually turn out to be the case either. Uh, just coming back with pot, and we were like, "Yeah, you're dumb, like D'Angelo Russell who got caught with weed in a water bottle. You're a professional athlete. You could find like pot or weed wherever you wanted to go." Uh, because, you know, you're famous. That's not at all what was happening here. Mr. Robinson was not trying to enjoy the riches of Mexico uh, and have a peaceful and quiet offseason after a nice vacation. Uh, this man was trying to move weight. He was caught driving from Los Angeles to Louisiana with 157 pounds of marijuana and got caught at a checkpoint near El Paso, Texas. I don't even... Like, I don't even know where this ranks in terms of dumb athlete moves, but I want to know what he was doing. Because you don't just get like 157 pounds of marijuana from a guy. Like, you got to be talking to people that like move it from like the top of the top of where this stuff comes from. Like, you know, uh, El Chapo type stuff. Like, what, what in the world? What do you world? Like, I, I don't even know where to begin with this. The question we got for this, what do you think the estimated street value was? And I'm just guessing here based off Google and uh, some uh, street smarts knowledge. You got 300 bucks for an ounce, 300 times 16 times 157. Okay. Doing some calculations. I'm not a math guy. So 300 times 16. $753,000. <laughs> Shit. And that might be being a little generous. 
That's almost one twenty-eighth of what he made as a professional football player. Yeah, so I don't really understand what 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 he's doing there. Like, I I, I don't. I mean, I, again, I'm just guessing. I'm just speculating. Maybe he hasn't been wise with his money, and what thought that was an easy way to like make money. I, I don't really know, but my God, dude, you're driving in a car. This I don't know if you read the story that like the most updated stories that have come out since. But he hired an Uber driver to drive them from Los Angeles to Louisiana. About three quarters of the way there, he had his he it was he and a buddy Quan Evans, Quan Bray, something like that, former Auburn teammate and another guy that had a cup of coffee in the NFL. He ordered. That guy to drive instead uh, the last two-thirds of the way, I guess, so the Uber could rest. Then they get pulled over, and while they're being, like, booked or arrested or processed, he's trying to bribe the Uber guy to take who had no idea what was in the car to take the fall for the pot. And the Uber driver's, of course, like, hell no. Like, you're, you're going to prison, you idiot. <laughs> like, I'm not taking For 20 years. For yeah, like, I'm not taking the fall for this. So I, I just – I, I don't like I I I don't can't even begin to uh, to imagine uh, like what he was thinking or what he was doing. But the funny part to me is, and there's no way we could have known, but we're over here just crushing him for like a D'Angelo Russell airport violation when this man is moving truckloads of weight. Yeah, it, we said on the radio show yesterday more than you. Yeah, I mean, like I he mean, had I, more weight in weed than you weigh. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, you couldn't like that. That like, there's no spinning that for personal use. Like, it would take you. <laughs> I mean, it would take you if, if, on a daily basis, sixty-five to seventy years to uh, to dispose of all that if you were just doing it by yourself. What there's, do you think uh, his lawyer's defense is going to be? Like, how do you spin that? Do you try to say it's for personal use? That, well, you know, he smokes a lot of weed, so he's got to stockpile of that stuff. I, no, I mean, how do you spin that? You cooperate and hope they give you a misdemeanor amount of jail time plus a bunch of community service and hoops you got to jump through for the next half decade. But just anything to mitigate a lengthy jail sentence and be – and, like, I mean, I don't know what his football career is at this point either. He may be unsignable. I, people have been signed. I mean, Plexo Burst shot himself, spent two years in jail, and still got signed afterwards. I don't know how talented Greg Robinson is. I know the Browns were saying they weren't going to renew his contract. I'm just saying his defense should be whatever the hell gets him uh, at least amount of jail time and tries to resurrect some sort of NFL career because he has made $29 million. Like, uh, you don't want to be going away for a decade for that. I don't know. But uh, I just thought it was funny that we were chastising him about he could get pot anywhere. And, uh, this is not just this man trying to, uh, try to enjoy his offseason. Something big was happening here. But anyway... That's uh, that's up there with one of the dumber athlete moves I think I've ever heard. Yeah. Let's see. What the hell happened to your Grizzlies last night? As you look for the next question. So I I got there was an NBA question we can parlay into both. Why don't NBA teams play more Saturday night games? As far as the Grizzlies go, I actually did not. I went to bed at nine fifteen last night. I didn't watch any sort of sporting event at all. Didn't watch any NBA games. What happened? Who did they lose to? They lost in Sacramento. Yeesh. Sacramento's not good either. Which is, according to the schedule, the fifth easiest game that they've got left on the schedule. Yeah, I like watching the Grizzlies, but honestly, I'd like to, like, I I wouldn't call myself a Grizzlies fan. I do watch a bunch. They're the local game I get. And so, like, if I'm itching to watch NBA and there's not anything good nationally on, I do, uh, like, watch a bunch of Grizzlies games more so than anything else. But it would be kind of interesting to see them fall back a little bit and see this eight seed turn into a race between New Orleans, Portland. 
I guess you can throw Phoenix in there. I don't really buy it, even, but they are just technically one game behind New Orleans. So I would like to see the Grizzlies fall off because the seven seed, the Mavs, are not falling off. So I would like to see the Grizzlies fall off and this actually turn into a race, but I don't know. Yeah, uh, I mean, we'll you, see. I mean, you, I, but the problem is with that is you also got a better, you got a decent chance that San Antonio sneaks back into this. And I, I don't want to see the Spurs in the playoffs again. I am tired of that. Yeah, me too. And they're just boring as hell on top of that. Uh, big game tonight. New Orleans is in Portland without Dame. So uh, implications on that one for sure. Take a break real quick to tell you the podcast brought to you by LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. If you're listening to this and you're coming in town for the baseball games this weekend, go see Greg. University Avenue across from Kroger. LB's is the best place in Mississippi to get meat by far. He's got Swayze game packs. He's got the Swayze sausages amongst amongst a whole host of sausage variety. He's got custom cuts, daily specials. You can go get a plate lunch if you want to sneak in there around lunchtime today and then decide what you want to throw on the grill uh, for this afternoon's ballgame. Greg feeds the baseball team. He can feed you while you watch the baseball team. Seriously, go see him. It is definitely worth your while. Uh, Greg knows how to enjoy a baseball game, and he can help you decide what you want to throw on the grill. Appreciate Greg sponsoring the show. I need to go by and see him. I uh, I feel like I talked to Greg less after football season ended because he's uh, <laughs> I, I guess he's over there counting his winnings from uh, from making all of you money throughout the football season, but. Maybe get him on in the next couple of weeks, talk about baseball season. Maybe he's a NBA sharp. Who knows? I don't know what Greg does with his time when it's not football season other than cut meat. But anyway, go see him, University Avenue, across from Kroger. Appreciate Greg sponsoring the show. Uh, let's see. Uh, but the question, the question we got that we didn't answer, well, why doesn't the NBA play more Saturday night games? I believe they start doing more of that. Uh, now that football season's over, I'm not mistaken. Saturday and yeah, there's games. like there's like six or seven tomorrow. There's seven or eight next Saturday. There's a lot more coming up for sure. They, I mean, they're smart. They avoid football because you're never going to beat it, and you can't maximize viewership that way. But uh, they do now. Yeah, no, they do. I mean, I, think, I mean, they're smart. They schedule it around the NFL. Like, I mean, you don't want a bunch of Saturday night contests with the NFL going on. And, like, now this is the, NBA, the NBA is it. Like, this is center stage for them. Which is, honestly, they need to – if you're talking about fixing something with the NBA, your all-star break is at the two-thirds point, not the halfway point, which I don't have a problem with it in its own right. But the problem is you've got, what, 25, 30 games left? And – for tanking teams and teams that are not in playoff contention, the last 15 just become an absolute farce. And so at the time of year where more people are watching your regular season product, and this probably leads into the NBA stereotype, the basketball, for all intents and purposes, in the month of March for teams not in the playoff chase is just unwatchable. So I, I, I don't know how they would fix that, but I feel like you need to fix that because the and every, I mean, a lot of sports regular seasons have that. Like week 17 in the NFL for teams sometimes is really just not, not an enjoyable watch, right? It's just one week, but, you know, you're only 16 games. The end of the baseball season with September call-ups and all that. Hard to watch sometimes. But the NBA is like that's when all eyes are on you. I feel like they need to find a way to fix that. I don't know how. I'm just kind of pointing out the problem instead of a solution here. I mean, maybe they could exclusively just flex games. I mean, instead of, because all of your TV games are scheduled when the season starts, your national TV games, the ones that people watch. I mean, your RSNs, like I watch New Orleans every night on their regional sports network, but their national TV games uh, are scheduled at, before the season begins, no matter what. Flex them all. Don't schedule them. 
pick and choose going into them what games you want to air. And I'm sure there's probably something in the CBA that forces them not to do that. But find a way to do that, to, to pick and choose the games that you want to showcase instead of having them scheduled. And they, they, they occasionally do flex games. But I'm talking don't even have a TV schedule until like two weeks before. And pick and choose the games you're going to showcase like as you know what the teams are. Because, like, Golden State has national TV games. I'd rather watch a high school game than watch the Golden State Warriors play basketball right now. I mean, they are losing on purpose. So, I'm with you. Uh, and if you look at the East, the playoff chances for the top eight teams in the East are no worse than, like, 95%. So, everybody outside of the top eight in the East is playing for nothing already. Well, it is seeding. Like, whoever gets that number, but it's only, to your point, it's right. only a couple of teams. Whoever gets that two seed in the East has a significant advantage because the seven and eight seed suck, and, like, the three versus six is important. But, yeah, but I heard this argument the other day from someone on the ringer, and it's like there, there's really no reason for the NBA not to do this. There's one last, like, unconquered ground in terms of television eyeballs not, like, that really just hasn't been exploited, and it's the late July, early August leading into football season. Why not make the NBA season later? Why not start it at Thanksgiving or Christmas, have the playoffs go into that? And that way, that this part, you're still in the heat of everything. Maybe the All-Star breaks in March and something like that, and you're actually getting good basketball. I just think the way the NBA season's set up, both on the calendar and uh, how it ends, is, is kind of silly. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And you would think they would want as little overlap with football as possible. Yeah, exactly, and I just I, I I don't understand it, but I guess uh, maybe that's something they're looking at. I don't know. The I have not a feeling exactly, they are. It's not. They're not exactly uh, scared of change, or they don't exactly shy away from change. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but uh, here's a quick pivot. Uh, thoughts on king cake? I like king cake, but I know I did notice like the the king cake they used to bring you when you were a kid in school is not even close to the same as, like, an actual New Orleans king cake. So I've only had a, that, like, two or three times. I think it tastes fine. Like, I, It's not the greatest thing in the world, but I think it's fine. Uh, it's funny you mentioned that. I, I de facto have the day off today because baseball covers up all of our stations. And I know you've got to work, but I've, I've got kind of the afternoon to, to, to chill a little bit. I'm going to pick up a king cake for uh, my wife and I today. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, yeah got, I, we got one like ordered it. from a local bakery, and I mean, you know, that's what we're gonna do. So I obviously like it if that's what we're doing today, but you know what I mean. But if you don't like king cake, what's the argument? Like, I'm not saying like there's not one. I I don't know. Like, what's the gripe? If like what if you don't like king cake, what what is a common reason? I've never heard of anybody not liking it. Yeah, I guess that's kind of my point. I, I'm sure there's someone out there. I would just be interested to hear is like, why don't you like it? I, I, I got a, like, not in like a judgmental way. Like, there's no way you can't like it type of thing. I just don't know. I don't know what the gripe would be against it. It seems. And now that I've never heard anybody not like it. I mean, somebody brought one to the office a few weeks ago, and it was gone by one. I wonder why that's not a year-round thing. I mean, I get it; it's a novelty deal. But like, if it's 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 like the Thanksgiving argument. Like the people that like to be hipster and cra uh, crap on Thanksgiving foods. Like, there's a reason you only do it once or twice a year. Like, I guess. But people eat king cake really only once or twice a year. It still still kicks ass. So yeah, I, uh, I saw um, there. Apparently, I don't know the day. I'm not from New Orleans, but I, what is it? January sixth. Um, 
where there was a local establishment that was selling king cake the day before that day, and they were getting roasted by everybody. Yeah, people just like to people talk about the NBA being uh, not scared to change. People hate change in general. I mean, hell, the NFL is threatening to add uh, two wild card games to your viewing pleasure on uh, on the first or the second uh, Sunday and Saturday in January, and people are acting like Roger Goodell shot their family. Like people <laughs> are just really inept. To, I, people just really don't like change in general. Uh, uh, I don't like it though because I want the Saints to have that buy. No, I get that argument, but you weren't totally overreacting to it like some people no. were. Like, this is terrible. Like, why? You get two football games. I get if your team's good. I understand that argument. That make what you're saying makes sense. If your team's good, eliminating the second buy really sucks. I get that. But people just being like, why screw it with a good thing? It's like, well, you you're get two more football games. Stop complaining. It's a good thing because it's good football. And I saw here. I'll actually pull it up. I think it was Warren Sharp tweeted out the number of teams that would have made the playoffs. Uh, yeah, so here we go. Um, in 2010, San Diego at nine and seven, and the Giants at ten and six would have made it. That's fine. In 2011, nine and seven, Titans eight and eight, Chicago would have made it. That's fine. Yeah, maybe. Well, I'm not a fan of eight and eight, Chicago, but whatever. I mean, like. 500 teams making the playoffs is not ideal, but, I mean, they're probably going to get beat in the first round anyway, and it's still an additional game. But, like, last year it would have been Pittsburgh and the Rams. The year before it would have been Pittsburgh and Minnesota. The year before Baltimore and Detroit. Like, I- I'm fine with seeing teams that are 10-6-ish and making the playoffs. I'm fine well, with that. You, you had a 7-9 and nine team make the playoffs once under this current structure. Like, you're going to have anomalies. Like it's just gonna happen, and so I don't. I don't mind that either. I don't, with Mason Nobody Rudolph or does East just make the playoffs this year, and they did it by default. Like neither one of them deserved it. I wouldn't mind seeing the Rams in the playoffs this year. I'm not so much big on the Steelers, despite how good their defense was. I just don't think. Like I wouldn't have enjoyed as much seeing Quack Hodges or Mason Rudolph on, uh, on Wild Card Weekend. But like, whatever. Like I could live with it. Again, I'm not gonna complain about two more games. Better like, than anything else you would have done that day. Yeah, exactly. Like, give me three games instead of two that day. Like, what else am I going to do? Uh, let's see. I think we've answered this already, but we can ask it again. It's no big deal. Uh, what? Is, who takes the first snap at QB for Ole Miss this upcoming football season? I think it's going to be Matt Corral, but could be wrong. I tend to think so myself. He seems to be very bought in for whatever it's worth. Um, I'm sure they all are, but he seems to be very bought into the uh, the new staff and the new system. And man, I know it doesn't mean anything, but I do. I find it so funny every time they tweet a, an off-season workout video, which is frequently. He's always in it. Like they'll show five players, and one of them is always Matt Corral in every single video. <laughs> you talk about that, man. Last year, they really. They, I'm not saying they're doing it again, but they really came to regret some of that last year. You remember, like they would do that last year. They brought him to SEC Media Days. And then all of a sudden, three weeks into the season, you started seeing John Rice Plumley in every video. Everything. You could tell he was going to start playing quarterback based on the damn in-house uh, video team. <laughs> it's like, be careful what you're doing or be careful like what you wish for. Yeah, you're not kidding. Um, I wouldn't be surprised um, if it's him or Tisdale. I, I think if you gave me odds, it would be Corral, Tisdale, Plumley. I think. I agree with that as well, just because of the skill set wise. And... Uh, who's not going to be there for the beginning of spring or pieces of spring? Does 
uh, it's very early, and I think we'll find out a lot more in the next few weekends than we did this past one. But does, is Plumlee going to have a big enough role to uh, not have them reevaluate his dual sport attention? It's funny you ask that because we got a question about that. So hold that thought for a second, and we're actually about to address that in just a minute. We, I got a text message question about that. Let's see. Let's kill these Twitter questions real quick. Let's see. I'm not missing anything else. I think we only have one or two more. Uh, oh, oh, Rebel Basketball has covered every game in the month of February except Missouri. Do they bounce back against Alabama? I, what did, do you have any idea what the line is? I will get it for you here in just one second. But, I mean – they need Schuler to not do whatever the hell he did in Columbia. Yeah, and Alabama is – I don't really understand them. I know they take a lot of threes. They get the ball up and down the floor. They're still kind of on the NCAA tournament bubble. So I would imagine this game's going to be right around like Pickham or something. Like, like it would be something where Alabama would be favored if – As of this recording, I don't think they're out yet, at least on the uh... – yeah, that's the problem with basketball lines is you don't get them put out early. I'll, whatever, I'll say, yeah, I'll say Ole Miss plays better on Saturday and probably wins. I don't know. They've been okay at home. They just kind of stink on the road. So, yeah, sure, I'll say they bounce back and cover. I think that's all. Yeah, the lines are not out in the American books anyway. I think that is all. Sure, you can find it offshore, but I, I don't. I don't have it or don't see it. All right, here we go. This is the one you are getting to. give. Would you say given the nice sample size – that these and the se- that the season is well underway. That Ely and Plumley need to focus on football. Uh, I'll answer the first part of this really quickly. Ely, no, even but even I get he's, he's the starting center fielder. Yeah, for right now, I don't know if that sticks. Uh, I'm not I'm not saying it won't, not saying it will, but uh, he needs. I mean, you're four games in, he hasn't hit very well. Granted, he's gotten on base a lot. I think he walked three times and stole three bases against uh, Alcorn the other day, but. Uh, but with Ely, the thing is, is he's a running back. He doesn't need to be at spring practice. Like, I mean, really, the only I get you learn a new system, you learn a new offense or whatever. But he's a five-star running back, man. Like, there's not a like he can get whatever system is down in a couple of weeks, and you plug him and play him, and it's really that simple. Ely doesn't really going to like even with the new staff and everything. He's Jerry on Ely. Like, they, there's not a whole lot of reason for him to be at spring football. Plumlee playing quarterback is an entirely different deal. Because when you yep. think of learning an offense, who do you think's learning the offense? No one's sitting there thinking, well, the right tackle's got to get this down. Even though that's the case, it's quarterbacks. And the repetition and all of that time is valuable for quarterbacks. And maybe you can make a better case for receivers getting timing down, route concepts down, unless it's Phil Longo's offense. Like, all of that type of stuff with the quarterback. Like, But Ely, to me, doesn't – like. Would they like him there? Will he go there? Like, will he do some spring stuff? Sure, but I don't think he has to be there. Plumley, on the other hand, does, and Plumley's been a bench guy so far. I'm not going to say anything one way or another yet because I don't think the sample size is big enough, which is part of this question. But with Plumley, it seems to be trending that way. But your thoughts? Dude, Ely doesn't have to take he didn't have to go to one spring practice at all. In fact, it's probably better that he's not. Just the fewer hits on his body, the better. As a running back, learning a system, um, as you mentioned, significantly easier. But on top of that, he doesn't have a bunch of improvement that he needs to do. You know what I mean? He's already – he showed you how good he is and can be, and it's not like he's got a glaring issue to work on. 
But there are some glaring things if Plumlee's going to be a quarterback that have to improve. And maybe it's as simple as the – like, I saw – what was it, SEC StatCast or something, this new website that breaks down game trends and stuff for SEC football teams. That kind of stuff is always so hard to read for me if it's not broken down like the way a, a reporter or, or, a, or a writer would. You know what I mean? Like they throw all these numbers at you but don't explain them where they could right. really use just a writer to sit down and like lay it out for you. Anyway, some of the – some of the play calling for Plumlee like didn't do him any favors at all as far as throwing the football. Just they didn't do it, anyone didn't any help favors. Him. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a reason they went four and eight, but um, there's still limitations and there's still things that have to get better. So it's it'll hurt him more compared to Corral being there, who already has an advantage because I know people hate him and stuff and think that he's just terrible. Um, has got a better skill set as a quarterback than Plumlee does, and Grant Tisdale the same thing. They are more polished at the throwing aspect of the position. They're not even close to the athlete, but that's not the important thing here. Um, and they're going through spring. So it's a, I think it's a detriment to Plumlee. doesn't matter one iota for Jerry and Ely. I'm still sticking to my prediction that he ends up just doing football. Because I got at a certain point, and maybe he doesn't. I, I, I mean, there's a good chance he doesn't think like me. I'm just saying, if that's me, and I'm a pinch runner, and I'm coming off the bench a bunch, and I'm not playing immediately, like I have a chance to be a starting quarterback in the SEC if I just go through spring ball and focus on that. Like, like particularly 40 degrees in the dugout at Swayze Field in early March. Like, to me, I'm doing no thanks. But again, I'm not telling him what he should do. I'm just putting myself in his shoes, thinking that like that's the way I would be thinking. I'm obviously I'm conceding there's a very good chance that John Rice probably does not think the same way I do. I'm just I, I, I just tend to think that's going to end up being the case. Maybe I'm wrong, but I've said it to January. So I'm going to stick to it. I think he ends <laughs> up sticking with football, but we'll see. So as far as wrapping up that question, I don't think the sample size is big enough. I don't I think you can pretty much take Ely out of this equation because he doesn't have to be there. I think this is, whole thing is centered on Plumlee. Sample size not big enough, but I think it's trending in that direction. But that again, even if it's trending in that direction, that doesn't mean he's going to do it. So let's see. I think we only have one more. How would you make golf a contact sport? Whoa. Yeah, those Greg Robinson edibles just kicked in. Let's see. <laughs> um, I mean, it would be more exciting to watch. It would. Like, getting Brooks and Bryson to go at it would be awesome. Well, I was thinking more of like a third-party type of deal. Like, if you could have one guy from the gallery that you just got super liquored up, and he'd have to start from behind the ropes, but if you gave him five seconds before the guy, like, as soon as the guy addressed the ball, he had a chance to run across the fairway and tackle you before you got the swing off. Or like the guy that screams mashed potatoes. Just give the players or their caddy a chance to beat the shit out of them for five minutes. Yeah, but if the if the fan like the you want to help pace a play, have a fan come out of the stands as soon as the guy addresses the ball and get a running start. And if he gets to you in time, you play the ball as it lies. <laughs> like I that would that. help a guy taking ninety. I mean, that would help a guy taking one hundred and twenty seconds over an eight foot putt, or taking nine practice swings, or doing a Patrick Reed and improving your lie by putting six different irons behind your ball in the rough. You want to do pace of play, have some rabid fan be able to come line up and come tackle you if you take too long. So 
That's how you could turn it into a contact sport. Uh, you could maybe could have a goaltender guarding the the cup. I don't know how that would work. You'd have to make the cup a hell of a lot bigger. But outside of that, that's all I got for you. But good question. Yeah, man. I uh, I really would like to see pace of play pick up. Though. I mean, six hour rounds is just absolutely ridiculous. I know but that's the not point the question, tour but still, make, like if we're going to talk golf, it's absurd. The point those tour players make, and they have a point, it's just a few dudes. Most of these dudes are not yeah. the issue. It's just a handful Especially of guys that exploit it. Tournament, you see it, too. Yeah, like it's just a handful of guys that really exploit it. Like most of these guys are fine. And some of it, honestly, I mean, it's a PGA Tour event. You're running through, particularly on Thursday and Friday, you're running large fields through a golf course Sometimes in different golf courses are better equipped to handle other things sometimes, like in terms of like uh, traffic and crowd size. Like some of it's just a product of the, the event and the stage and everything else. Like you're going to have longer events than if you're just, you know, zipping around on golf carts with your buddies on the weekends. But pace of play certainly with a few guys is an issue and they, they need to, if they just would enforce the current rules in place religiously instead of them being there and not enforced like a ton of rules in golf are, you'd be better off already. So, Doesn't the anyway. European tour do a really good job of that? Yeah, I think they do a better job because Europeans are just meaner in general. But like, like they, I mean, they make it a real point. Like even Graham McDowell got um, a, a, a pace warning because he did an on-course interview with the broadcast team that was broadcasting the tournament. Like they're that strict on it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, but like, if you're going to have a rule, I mean, golf, you talk about punishment not fitting the crime and arbitrary rules being enforced. It seemed like pace of play would actually be the best place to start instead of one dude accidentally hitting a blade of grass in a waste bunker or something. Yeah. Like, um, <laughs> did you listen to the Peter Costas interview on No Laying Up? I haven't yet, but I've seen no, some I've, clips from I, it, and damn, he goes all in. I've actually been saving that because I haven't really had a chance to where I sit down. Like, I don't want to listen to pizza pieces of it and break it up, so no, but I have that, uh, I have that queued up. Like, I definitely. We want to listen to it. Uh, there's interesting parallel to some of the stuff he said while broadcasting Patrick Reed in the past uh, that apparently kind of really come to light there. So I don't know. Yeah, I'm looking forward I saw, to listening to it. I saw somebody dub uh, one of his answers about Patrick Reed and his cheating with him just straight up calling him out during a tournament. Uh, he had a uh, hit his tee shot in the rough, and Reed takes uh, an iron. They didn't specify and places the iron behind the ball like six or seven times and then pulls out a wood to hit into a par five. And Costas calls him out. I mean, he does it diplomatically, but straight up says, there's only one reason why you do that, to improve your life. And that's what he just did in front of your face. Yeah, I mean, Patrick Reed, Cavalier with the rules. I think that's just kind of of his brand at this point. I find find it hilarious because I think – I mean, look, I'm not advocating for dudes out there cheating, but I think professional golfers just kind of bending the rules is is funny. I I don't see it as this great existential threat to uh, the integrity of the game like some people do. But What's worse, Patrick Reed improving his lie behind the ball or the Astros signaling with a trash can what pitch is coming? Uh – Oh, Astros, I think, for sure. <laughs> oh, man. Let's see. Uh, I guess there's kind of some thoughts on basketball and baseball wrapping up. Ole Miss plays Xavier this weekend in baseball. Xavier's supposed to be kind of a top-half team in the in the Big East. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's not like a mid-major in the sense where you're going to see a bunch of velocity drop-off. Like, I'm, from the little I've seen and the little I've read, I and mean, from what I've read, 
you know, you've still got dudes that are going to throw low to mid 90s. You're going to see two left handers and a right hander on the weekend rotation. I believe the right hander is throwing today. Veteran team, they've got a couple younger pieces in the field, but they've got some upperclassmen. I mean, look at the Ole Miss. Is, it's it's not going to be a cakewalk. Like Ole Miss is Ole Miss is going to have to play well if they want to win the series and want to win three games. They should. They're better than Xavier is, but Xavier is a decent mid-major competition team. This is not something where you're coming in and you're going to face a drop-off in velocity or you're going to face a team that's not as good in the field. Like They're a competent quality baseball team. So what are you looking for this weekend that you didn't see or would like to see more of last weekend? Doug Nikhazy probably have, like, all the starters are probably going to have a little bit of a longer leash, so I think you'd like to see, like, Derek Diamond, if he can do what he did last weekend every single weekend, you would take that however many times he starts. I'm not going to do the math right now, but point being, you would take that every day of the week. I think you'd like to see Nikhazy and Hoagland be a little sharper. I mean, you're not going to judge much off of their first their first outing of the year on a pitch count, cold weather, all of that type of deal. But I think you would like to see them be a little bit sharper. And then I just kind of want to continue to see how the infield and outfield kind of fleshes itself out. I think they like Chatagne at second base. There's thought he might play outfield some too with Bench at second base, but they seem to like him there. Outfield, I would still say, is a very fluid situation all the way from the corner slots to center field. You know, it's going to be a balance of do they want to be a good defensive outfield or are they using the corner outfield slots to stick a, I don't know, Tim Elko because Kale Baker seems to be kind of locked in at first base or DH, a Kevin Graham, something like that. You know, it's matchup heavy, but also kind of kind of getting guys in that can really swing it versus defense. So uh, I just kind of want to see how the lineup continues to flesh itself out and would am interested to see the uh, how these starting pitchers do in their second start. Also, Looking at the bullpen, I think they need more guys to come in and throw strikes. Max Chofi came in last weekend, struggled to throw strikes. Braden Forsyth has struggled a little bit to find the strike zone in his two outings. I think they need a couple more bullpen pieces to really kind of emerge. Like, if you see Wes Burton again, what does that look like compared to last weekend? I think if there's a potential Achilles heel with this group, it could potentially be the bullpen. I'm not saying it is yet. I'm not saying it will be. But I think that's certainly a possibility. So whoever comes out of the bullpen and how they perform over the weekend. Like, I think if you're Bianco and you have, oh, not 10, 11 innings of your bullpen over the weekend, it could possibly be more. I mean, if you could have them give up, you know, two runs, four hits, something like that over the course of the 10, 11, 12 innings they're going to have to pitch over the weekend, I think that would be a positive sign for them. So, uh, how about that guy, this six foot eight freshman that I, I didn't hear anybody really talk about going into the season? Is was he the kind of prospect that you thought would come in and shut down Louisville the way he did? Well, he made a pretty late push for that Sunday role with Derek Diamond, and I, I thought there was a chance that he and Drew McDaniel would start the two midweek games that they were supposed to have this week, but he came in and pitched really well. But yeah, I, I do think he had a huge fall. He had a really good preseason scrimmages, whatever they call that now, leading up into the year. Uh, he made it a tough decision on Bianca to go with Diamond as the Sunday starter. So, I mean, he's going to be a valuable piece, however they use him this year, whether it's extended relief, whether they need to make him a spot starter. I don't know how they're going to use him, but he's good and they need him. I mean, that, he had some electric stuff, man. And that angle at his size has got to be unique, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, he's a big power arm. I mean, there's no really other way to, to shake it up. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think at six foot eight. You know, big dude, high velocity guy. I, I think he's going to be difficult to hit. And then the talking to himself uh, probably only freaks dudes out more. <laughs> Man, I I do that sometimes. I'll talk to my not like that. I mean, that was some 
He was worried about the cameras catching him, which cracks me up so bad. They'll have to be careful with that, maybe. Um, you could probably have some funny gifts out of that, too. But um, he's not as crazy as people are making it out to be for talking to himself. <laughs> not in not in the slightest. Either that or I'm just I'm crazy as hell, too. I just think it's fun. I think it's funny. He described it as a quote dark place he has to go to. Sometimes seems like a good kid. He, <laughs> I thought he found it pretty funny. But uh, so interested to see Wes Burton. Uh, do they see Drew McDaniel this weekend? I don't know. Do you see a couple guys that hasn't haven't pitched yet? Possibly at least one or two. I, I'm just kind of interested to see what the bullpen is because as they kind of take their roles you're going to figure out whether that's going to be a strength or a weakness so i think they need some of their i mean they really miss tyler myers they could use a guy like a caleb hill who transferred out of the program right now they're right-handed heavy i think um i'm interested to see who uh both the starting pitching and then uh how they fare afterwards so that would be kind of what i'm looking for on a baseball front this weekend transitioning to basketball to wrap this thing up Ole miss plays alabama i don't really have a ton of thoughts on this Ole miss are what they are NIT chances are kind of tough at this point as well. Going to have to probably win a road game in addition to all their home games. Uh, you know, if it's a close game with five minutes left, I'm going to be honest, I'm probably not going to like Ole Miss's chances given the way they've closed out games. Yeah, hey, uh, not at all. I just, I, I hope they can end the season on a high note because Tyree and the way he's played, he deserves that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, they they just finishing strong down the stretch, if nothing else, because he. I mean, that's definitely not how he saw his senior year going. But outside of that, I don't have a ton of, ton of thoughts on this. Alabama's going to throw up a bunch of threes. They're going to get up and down the court. It's going to be fast paced. Ole Miss guarding the perimeter is going to be incredibly important. Uh, this probably they play a, a guy matchup. who beat LSU with a broken hand and had to shoot free throws one handed. Yeah, I mean, but matchup-wise, it's probably a little better matchup because Ole Miss isn't probably going to get just hammered on the interior by Alabama as much as they are on the perimeter. So probably a little better matchup, but that's also going to put an emphasis on Tyree and the Wings playing better uh, defensively. So I don't know. I mean, it, it, I think if Alabama comes in, they're going to shoot 35, 43-point shots. If you know they make 10 or 11, Ole Miss probably got a shot. If they make 15, 20, Ole Miss is probably going to get run out of the gym. Yeah. So uh, we'll see. Should be a pretty decent crowd, though. Got a home baseball game, and right yeah, after night that, game, you walk to the arena and go watch some hoops. Yeah, I mean, night game weekend should be a decent crowd. But, you know, pretty them finishing student. strong is important. If they can back their way into the NIT and kind of get some postseason thing, as we've talked about before, I think that's important from a program stabilization standpoint or just kind of how you view it after two years in the Kermit Davis era. For sure. I think that's about all we got today. We appreciate you guys joining us for another Mailbag Friday. I'll remind you one more time, go see, if you're going to the baseball park this weekend or you're just around Oxford, go see Greg, University Avenue across from Kroger, LB's best place in Mississippi to get meat. He's got the Lane Kiffin special, Keith Carter special going on, eight and six ounce bacon wrap fillets for 15 and 10 bucks a piece. He's got game packs for Swayze. You can go get some sausage to throw in the garage there. Greg feeds the baseball team. He can help you. Uh, I mean, he can feed you while you watch the baseball team. Excuse me. Go see him. University Avenue across from Kroger. He's got plate lunches, daily specials. They've got it going on over there. Greg can help you get set up. Uh, tell him we sent you. Uh, maybe ask for some gambling picks while you're there. He can help with that, too. Greg does it all. We really appreciate him sponsoring the show. Go see him. University Avenue across from Kroger. All right, Borky. Have a good weekend. Enjoy the king cake, and we'll be back at it on Monday. All right, man. Have fun. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.